All the different towns and villages, all the clans of Judah, they don't even mention Bethlehem. It wasn't significant because it was an intersection of commerce or a strategic location. Not Bethlehem. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be what? Ruler in Israel. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. Merry Christmas from all of us here at In Grace. This is Jim Scudder, and today is a obviously very special day, a day that we as Christians celebrate the birth of the Christ. The word Christ simply means the promised one, the anointed one, the Messiah. And so this is the day that we observe the entrance of Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, into humanity, into the world. And this was a major, major shifting point in human history. Uh, if Jesus hadn't come, we would have no choice but to be separated for, for eternity from our loving God. But he is loving, and that's why he came in the flesh and lived among us. And so we're going to talk about where he was born today, this little town of Bethlehem. And my message title that we're going to play today is Bethlehem, the little town with a big impact. I don't think we could say that of any other town, city, metropolis, village, in the world that had more impact than the little town of Bethlehem. And we're going to look back in the Old Testament and see that it was predicted that the Messiah would be born here. As a matter of fact, when the wise men came from the east and they inquired where the baby was that was going to be born or that had been born because they'd seen the star, they went to the king, the puppet king of Rome, Herod, and asked. And he went, he sent his his wise, his learned men, uh, and to find that from the scriptures, and they came back with Micah 5.2. And so we know this is a prophetic passage of where the Messiah would be born. We're going to talk about Bethlehem now as it is. Of course, we know that things are challenging because it's in the uh, Palestinian areas, but it is still a beautiful place, and I love to go to the little town of Bethlehem. So we're going to discuss this and more today here on In Grace. And again, very, very Merry Christmas to you and to your family.
I'm going to take you to a, a little town. Um, the little town today is around 28,000 people. But back in the day of Jesus, it would have been a town of maybe only a couple hundred people. The town that we're talking about is Bethlehem. It's two Hebrew words, bet, laham. And in Hebrew, you have that sound. You heard of Hanukkah? You've seen it H-A and C-H? It's because we don't say We can barely do it ourselves without, you know, having things come out of our mouth. But in Hebrew, that's just part of, of the way they talk. But bet lacham is the house. Bet is house and lacham is bread. And so think about this. Think about this little town that had such a big impact. This town, the house of bread. It is the birthplace of the Savior. And we would not have heard about this town probably, but Jesus came. And the Bible says, you shall not live by bread alone. Think about this for a second. And Bethlehem, by the way, is in the environs of Ephratah or Ephrat. It's the fields of the fruitful fields, very bountiful area. Some other things that happen in in scripture there we'll talk about today that relate to the fruitful fields. But the house of bread, if you live your whole life, you have to continue to eat something from the ground, right, in order to live. And that might be you're eating an animal that ate something from the ground, or you're eating the plant or the, the vegetable, the, the fruit from the ground, right? It all comes from the ground. We came from the ground, we eat our whole lives from the ground, and we die and return to the ground. So that's a miserable existence. I mean, I like bread, and it's great, but if you continue to eat only bread, you will be back into the ground where bread comes from. Okay? I, that's just what I'm trying to tell you. But if you eat the bread of heaven, so Jesus called himself the bread of heaven, and that, what's that picture? That's manna. When they were in the wilderness and they had no food, God provided them manna, which means, what is it? That's really what that word means. What is it? These, these tasty little bread morsels that literally came from heaven that they would gather and, and it sustained them. So if you eat of the bread of heaven, this bread that came from the house of bread, Bethlehem, the bread of life, if you eat of that, Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. If you partake of that bread, you will not just have this existence here, but you'll have an eternal existence with God forever in heaven. Bethlehem, a little town with a Big impact. Now we read about Bethlehem in the Old Testament in Micah as a place that would bring the world the Messiah. In Micah 5:2 it says, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah. So some people say Ephratah or Ephrat is the name of the town originally. 
Others say it's the district or the, the, the area, the fields of Ephrat. Bethlehem's in the fields of Ephrat. Either way, it's all right there. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. Now remember, Judah was the, the tribe allotment that included Jerusalem. And whenever you read about Judah and the towns of Judah, they give you all the towns in the two times that the Bible does that, it doesn't mention Bethlehem of Judah, Bethlehem Ephratah. Isn't that interesting? It's little among the thousands of Judah. All the different towns and villages, all the clans of Judah, they don't even mention Bethlehem. It wasn't significant because it was an intersection of commerce or a strategic location. And that's why towns would be towns. There's always a reason there was a town in the Bible, they had a resource, they had a well, they had some reason that that town was there. But not Bethlehem. Though thou you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be what? Ruler in Israel. When Micah was writing this, the last king of Judah had been taken and exiled. The lights were going off in the tribe of Judah and the lineage of Judah, the kings of Judah. It was like God had said that there would be a king that will rule forever from the throne of David, but this is impossible now because they've all been taken into exile, into captivity. But then Micah says, no, turn that light back on because there's going to be one born in this little teeny village called the house of bread that will be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting so this this king that is going to be born in Bethlehem will rule forever and has always been okay there can be only one that fits that description and then you flip over to the new testament just a few pages in your Bible, and you come to Luke chapter 2. And we read in verse 4, and Joseph also went up from Galilee. Where's the Galilee? That's in northern Israel, the Sea of Galilee. So he lived in the northern region of Israel, out of the city of Nazareth, another city you never would have heard about except for Jesus and it says, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, what's interesting, we'll talk about this in a second, there were two Bethlehems. There was a Bethlehem six miles north of Nazareth. That's the Bethlehem you would assume that the king would be born in if he was going to come from Joseph, who was a descendant of David. But the Bible had predicted Bethlehem Ephratah which is the southern Bethlehem, the Bethlehem of Judea, near just six miles south of Jerusalem. There's the Bethlehem. Unto the city of David. Why is Bethlehem Ephratah called the city of David? That's where David was born. This little town had such a big impact in our world. So Joseph would be coming from the Galilee, from Nazareth, down to the city of David to Judea, which is south of Jerusalem, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, just as predicted. The Messiah would come through 
the line of David. Let's look at a map. There's a map of the two Bethlehems that we're talking about. This is an ancient map of Israel. You have the different regions during the time of Rome. You see the Decapolis over in the top right. Those of you that are listening and not watching, I apologize. But you have at the top of the map the Sea of Galilee, and that's the Galilee region. To the left and south of the Sea of Galilee, you see Nazareth. Right above it is the Bethlehem of Zebulon. Okay? We're going to go back to this map in a second, but look at uh, Joshua 19.15. You see a list of cities. These are the, the cities of Zebulon. Zebulon was a, uh, one, of the, one of the tribes of Israel, and this was the region in which you'd have uh, a, a really small region, but a very fruitful region in northern Israel, in the area of the Jezreel Valley. And you see there the last city mentioned is Bethlehem. Of course, this is the Bethlehem of Zebulon, the Bethlehem of the north, the Bethlehem in the Galilee, okay? But then, go back to the map, you see that there was a, a Bethlehem to the south of Jerusalem, which is in the region of Judea, okay? And that would be, be almost exactly between the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea, just to the west of Jericho as, as Jerusalem goes south, not very many miles. If you're on the Mount of Olives on a clear day and look to the left, if you're looking at Jerusalem here, you look to the left, you can see Bethlehem. That's the Bethlehem that Micah predicted that Jesus would be born in, this small town of Bethlehem. Here's a picture of modern Bethlehem as it would look today. And it's a rather substantial Arab town mostly Muslim. They had a, a larger Christian community there, but because of the Oslo Accords and the Palestinian Authority that took over, the, the Christians there have been persecuted and have shrunk down to just a small percentage today, and, and we need to pray for them there in Bethlehem. But look back in 1867. This is what Bethlehem would have looked like when Mark Twain was in Israel. Look how small, look how small that, that town is, just a scattering of, of, of buildings. And that wasn't that long ago, folks, right? So just imagine this little town of Bethlehem. It would have been even smaller than that in the time of Jesus. But Bethlehem, no crossroads, no resources, not strategic by any means. It was overlooked in the lists of cities. Bethlehem is just a quiet shepherding community. You can imagine, though, little David, the shepherd boy, shepherding his flocks in the hills of Bethlehem. Now, if you were to look, or I were to look for a place where we're gonna, we're gonna have a king born, where would we look in that time? Well, many would say, hey, let's have our king born in the, the center of the world, which at that time was Rome. Rome was the center of the population of the empire, the center of power, the seat of the only world empire in that day. We should have the king born in Rome. And others would say, okay, maybe not Rome, but certainly, how about Athens? Another important city in that time, a major urban area known as the center of philosophy, the center of learning, the center of the arts, Athens should be the birthplace of the Messiah, if we were humanly, logically speaking. Or, okay, maybe not Rome, maybe not Athens, but how about Alexandria? 
a very important town in Egypt, a port city, an important port city, a city of one of the seven wonders of the world, the lighthouse. It also had the world-renowned library. Very important town, Alexandria. And you say, okay, maybe not Rome, maybe not Athens, maybe not Alexandria, but for sure, the Messiah, the king of the Jews, from the Jews, should be born in the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. Right? Think about Jerusalem. The place where the palace of David was, the palace of Solomon was, the, the temple that Solomon built. This very important strategic city of Jerusalem, that's where the king should be born. As a matter of fact, that's where the Magi came to to look for the king that had been born. But Bethlehem? Are you kidding me? Bethlehem? I don't even know where that is. I don't even, where is Bethlehem? Well, of course, the Jewish people would have known where Bethlehem was because that was an important place in their history. We read about Bethlehem in Genesis 35, 19, in a very sad, sad story where Jacob was going from Bethel and he was traveling through this area of Ephratah and his dear wife, Rachel, was laboring in childbirth. She had already born Joseph and now she was going to bear the next son, the, the youngest son. And it says in Genesis 35, 19, and Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephratah, which is Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And as she died, she says in her mourning, in her weeping, in her pain, she says, call him Benoni. Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. But Jacob says, no, his name will be Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Think about all those years later when that little baby is born in that very place where Rachel died, Bethlehem, and he is both son of my sorrow and son of my right hand. Isn't that incredible? A little town with a big impact. The Bible actually tells us that Jeremiah predicted that Rachel is still weeping. Rachel is weeping, the Bible says, for her children. You say, well, what does that mean? And why was Rachel not buried in Hebron where all the, the others were buried? Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob each actually would be buried there. Why was Rachel buried on the way? Why wouldn't they have taken the time? Hebron wasn't too far. Why wouldn't they have taken the time to bury her where all the rest were buried? Well, one of the reasons was because God predicted Rachel would be weeping. For some years later, those that were being exiled into captivity would be passing by Rachel's tomb. All of the sorrow that the Jewish people have faced over the centuries, including when Jesus was born and Herod the Great 
after the wise men did not return to him, decided to slaughter all of the innocents in that area. You can imagine the mother's cries, and you can imagine Rachel weeping for the exiles, for the babies of Bethlehem, for all of the innocents of the Holocaust. Rachel is weeping. All of that happened in Bethlehem, this little town with a big impact. And even today, there's anti-Semitism, which is a shame. What Kanye West said recently, and others have been saying for years, putting down the Jews, criticizing them for their success often, we should combat that. We should stand up against that. We should stand up for the Jewish people. And we're going to stop there here on this Christmas day, December 25th. We'll play the second half of Bethlehem, the little town with a big impact tomorrow right here. Same place, same time. Uh, But Bethlehem is an amazing place. Uh, And those that live in Bethlehem today are primarily a group of people we call the Palestinians. And the, the one thing about Jesus is when he came, he came to die for all people. He came to die for the Samaritan woman. He came to die for the, the European, the African, the Asian, all of us, the Middle Eastern. We all need salvation. And he wasn't just a savior for the Jews. He was a savior for the world. And, but we are to love Israel and stand with Israel because Israel, the Jewish people, brought us our savior. Now more than ever, folks, we need to stand with Israel and the Jewish people. So I will once again say, I hope your Christmas is going wonderful today. I hope you're spending time with those you love, with your family. I hope you're spending time thanking the Lord for coming, for coming into this world, for leaving the splendor, the glories of heaven to enter into our mess, our world. And, you know, there are some beautiful places on this planet, but when you live here long enough, every place has its own misery. And so Jesus came into that for our sakes, for because he loved us. And I'm so thankful to God for Christmas. And just before we go, let me mention again that Jesus came to save us. He, he came to not teach us how to live, not to teach us how to be good because we can never be good enough. He came to die for us and he was going to be perfect. He had no sin nature, neither did he sin. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways like we are yet without sin. Now that happened, I'm sure throughout his life, but especially intensely in the wilderness for 40 days when Satan himself came and tempted Jesus. And he three times used the exact word of God to thwart the temptation, to put down the temptation. And Jesus survived time and again. He was tempted as we are yet without sin. He died innocent. You know, Pilate washed his hands and said, you know, I find no fault in him. Actually, Pilate declared him innocent three times and yet still convicted him to death. Jesus died for you. That was the greatest gift. That's the greatest present 
the world has ever known that you could ever receive. And how do you receive a gift? You just take it. Just believe that Jesus died for you and paid for your sins and you'll be saved. What a great thing to do on Christmas Day. Put your trust in Jesus and you'll be saved today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.